Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Hallmark Channel, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that, Hallmark Channel. But Hallmark Channel is one of those that is selling ad space, running ads, promoting the biopic movie lionizing Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And such notable publishing giants as Time Magazine, New York Times, and so forth have come out with just these rave reviews that it's inspirational, spirited, will inspire future generations. Well, what's wrong with that picture, if you will? What's wrong with these praises for this movie? And what's wrong with Hallmark Channel running ads for this movie? Lionizing, championing this great champion of women, of women's rights. (laughs) What's wrong with that? Well, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she has been working her will for ages now on the Supreme Court and, of course, preceding that. I was friends with, I became friends with a man who took great pride in the fact that he was instrumental in her being selected to be nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court. You're probably wondering why, how is it that I would become friends with such a person as that? He was not a Christian He was a Jew, a law professor, and I befriended him uh, repeatedly. But this was one of the signal accomplishments of his life, he felt. And he was given this lofty role, this entrusted with this responsibility, he was one of the ones involved. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, champion for women, champion for induced abortion, even though induced abortion was legalized before she took her place on the U.S. Supreme Court but a stalwart advocate for induced abortion. Also, a champion of legalization of prostitution, of women, of young women, of girls as young as 12 years of age. What a wonderful, benevolent, beneficent, grandmotherly, great-grandmotherly woman this Ruth Bader Ginsburg is. 
Well, this friend of mine, this fellow I befriended repeatedly, again, he was Jewish. You might think, well, my word, I've got it in for Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she's Jewish. No, no, I have a great-grandmother that was a Jewess, referred to as a Jewess, even though she came to believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. You know, heretical in Jewish circles among those who rejected Jesus as being the Christ, even though all of the early church was Jewish. But, and that woman, she was a graduate of University of Missouri School of Journalism way back in the day when journalism was very, very, very different from what it is today. Ruth Bader Ginsburg stood for and has continued to stand for and to champion causes which are absolutely anathema to the women's rights, actual, factual champions of long ago. Couldn't be more absolutely, utterly, totally, completely, militantly at odds with. But before I get to them, let me just give you a quote from a well-known journalist of yesteryear. Quote, our republic and its press will rise or fall together. An able, disinterested, public-spirited press with trained intelligence to know the right and courage to do it, can preserve that public virtue without which popular government is a sham and a mockery. A cynical, mercenary, demagogic press will produce in time a people as base as itself. The power to mold the future of the republic will be in the hands of the journalists of future generations, end quote. Now that quotation is proudly displayed on a plaque at the press club in Washington, D.C. that is frequented by all of the White House press corps, and so forth. The journalist quoted was Joseph Pulitzer. But let me just quickly reiterate that quote to say this, to elaborate ever so lightly on it. Quote, our republic and its press will rise or fall together an able, disinterested, meaning impartial, public-spirited press with trained intelligence 
to know the right and courage to do it. Trained intelligence to know the right. (laughs) Whereas our education system trains us to know the wrong, to replace the right with the wrong, to call good evil and evil good. But the trained intelligence to know the right and courage to do it can preserve that public virtue. Public virtue? Gads! What about all of those people who believe in voting for political aspirants irrespective of their dearth of virtue? Believing that Private immorality has no bearing on public office and governance. But that, again, an able, disinterested, impartial, public-spirited press with trained intelligence to know the right and courage to do it can preserve that public virtue without which popular government is a sham and a mockery. And it should be stated that public virtue, absent private virtue, is a lie. You don't have public virtue absent private virtue. A cynical, mercenary, demagogic, intellectually dishonest and immoral, bankrupt press will produce in time a people as base as itself. The power to mold the future of the republic will be in the hands of the journalists of future generations, of the infotainment journalists, of those who tweet and post and what have you. It's not the technology that's the problem, per se, Not by itself, but it certainly can be used to great ill. (laughs) But Joseph Pulitzer, oh, he's old school. He's so yesterday. He's so yesteryear. He's so yester century and century before that. He's not exactly hot off the press, right? But he was so right. But they really should take down that plaque because the press club is a watering hole for so very, very, very many journalists, and it has been, who are diametrically opposed 
to what he believed, espoused, expressed. And they make a lie to what he said. But concerning Ruth Bader Ginsburg, whom such stalwart journalistic publications, such outstanding examples of journalism as the New York Times and Time Magazine and so forth, refer to this biopic, championing this champion, (laughs) lionizing this lion of a woman. Inspirational, will inspire future generations. Before I share a few words concerning Ruth Bader Ginsburg and some actual factual champions of women, let me just touch on this matter of inspirational and inspiring, shall I? So inspire. What is it to be inspirational? What is it to be inspired? Well, it's funny. You look at the definitions that we have nowadays for such words. And for inspire, which is supposed to be to breathe life into, to breathe into, but more than that, to breathe life into, but at the very least, to breathe into. You know, think of artificial respiration, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, blowing air into this person to cause them to come to, right? It's breathing into, but more importantly, breathing life into. Interestingly enough, you can find definitions, definitions, which actually refer not to breathing life into, but instead inhaling. (laughs) Which uh, is so wrong. But anyway, inhaling. And so then you will find definitions using the words inspired referring to a person inspiring himself, self-inspiration, which again is so pathetically wrong and yet is being put forth by learned expert sources for the meanings of inspired, so forth. Inspirational pertains to inspiration and inspired, and it always used to refer to God-breathing life into. God breathed life into them, and that he was the source of life, of truth, of light. But words have been corrupted and perverted and twisted, which is another form of perverted, to be used to various ends. 
things. But again, inspire is to breathe into and more particularly, more precisely, more exactly to breathe life into. But New York Times, Time Magazine, and others, many others, many other outstanding bastions of journalistic knowledge and wisdom would have us believe that this biopic on the basis of sex is inspirational, spirited, it will inspire future generations to follow in Ruth Bader Ginsburg's footsteps, right? To do the same kind of great works that she has done, that she has championed. Well, that title on the basis of sex is, of course, pertaining to discrimination on the basis of sex. Now we have language from this company and that company and the other company pertaining to their equal employment opportunity standards, saying things such as, the company is an equal opportunity employer and will not tolerate discrimination in employment on the basis of race, color, age, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, or expression. Gender identity or gender expression, and so forth. This is where it's going and where it has continued to go. All for the betterment of we humankind, you know, mankind, Right. Well, a couple champions of women's rights from yesteryear, long ago, relatively. Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. Susan B. Anthony, who was known for her stand against slavery and against legalization of prostitution, she called abortion, induced abortion, a, quote, a horrible crime of child murder, end quote. Okay? This is Susan B. Anthony, women's rights champion. Abortion was a horrible crime of child murder, and she was known for her great opposition to slavery and to what is known as white slavery, legalized prostitution. White slavery because it typically involved white women, white girls. The trafficking of them, the enslaving of them, the exploiting of them, the destruction of them. Elizabeth Cady Stanton, 
a sister-in-arms of Susan B. Anthony, who too was known for her opposition to slavery. In an article that was entitled Child Murder, she referred to abortion as a, quote, crying evil and an outrage against the laws of nature and our common humanity, end quote. A crying evil and an outrage against the laws of nature and our common humanity. And a horrible crime of child murder. That's what these two women's champions, these women's suffragettes, believed and repeatedly stated vehemently But Ruth Bader Ginsburg, benevolent, beneficent, loving, great-grandmotherly, Supreme Court justice, has different views and has championed them to the detriment of the women and young women, the women of childbearing age and the girls in this nation. But back to that title, On the Basis of Sex, which again is shorthand for discrimination on the basis of sex. It's fascinating that so very much of induced abortion, or also known as elective abortion. So very much of it around the world is done for reasons of sex selection. Discrimination. What does discrimination mean? Yes, it's got these fantastically heavy connotations of being bad, wrong, so forth, right? But to discriminate is to recognize to choose to select. Fascinating that these champions of choice, (laughs) you know, the unbridled, unfettered right to choose to viciously slaughter the only totally innocent members of society while they are confined within their mother's wombs, which were fashioned, designed for their nurture, their development. Instead, they become a death chamber 
You know, it's like perhaps you're familiar with the term panic room that some people, typically more wealthy people, have built in their house or their mansion or whatever, a place that they can go to under certain circumstances for safety, safety from home invasion, safety from tornadoes, and so forth. And here, this place that God fashioned for the care, the development, the nurture, the growth, the bonding, and so forth, of these precious, sinless babies, that these should become chambers for their slaughter like something out of the worst, most sadistic, slasher horror movie where some typically young women are preyed upon by some destroyer, some vicious satanic destroyer. But the actual factual destruction of the babies is no less horrible than the worst, the worst slasher horror production that has ever come out of Hollywood. No worse than the worst of the worst. You can't get worse in terms of the actual factual procedure, if you want to call it that, if you want to elevate it to that, as far as what is done to these little ones. You can't get worse. Not in the, these twisted, monstrous productions coming out of Hollywood or not in other horrible so-called snuff films coming out of wherever they're coming out of. Nothing worse than what is done to these little ones. These unconstitutional Search and destruction missions carried out against these little ones in their mother's wombs. Who are supposed to be safe from unreasonable search and seizure, right? We're all supposed to be safe from that. But oh, the wonderful justices and judges like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they get around that by dehumanizing the babies, they don't have rights, okay? Illegal aliens may, but they don't have rights. They don't have protections. Oh, but she has just been such a champion for women and for young women and for girls. Such a champion. She will inspire future generations. Yes, like this woman in the U.K., Barbara Hewson, a senior barrister, high and mighty, in London, who wants to see 
the age of sexual consent reduced from 16 years of age to 13 years of age to stem the tide of sexual abuse allegations against older men. This is not a man suggesting this. This is a woman. It's hard to tell for, for me looking at her, but I would say she's on the young edge of middle age. Of whatever middle age is, uh, these things, they keep changing. You know, 60 is the new 50, is the new 40, is so forth. So I don't know. But again, lowering the age of sexual consent to facilitate, to enable the exploitation of girls. Being championed by a woman of high standing, a senior barrister. Again, in the what better place than in the legal profession? Now, perchance you don't believe in the Bible, or you you know believe it's passe, it's arcane, it's archaic, all that. But reading from the Old Testament. So, if you're not a Christian, you should have regard for the Old Testament. From the book of Daniel, in what is listed as being the seventh chapter, it says, I'm just going to read this one verse, okay? What is listed as chapter 7, verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. This is not the only place this is stated, this description is given. But just to repeat a portion of that, he shall dot 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 think to change laws. Again, making the good evil and the evil good, changing the laws, perverting the laws undermining the laws. So then you can still have, oh, this great rule of law, but the problem is that the laws that are dictating that rule of law are corrupted, perverted, unjust, unrighteous, downright evil laws. And so law enforcement officers are enforcing evil laws. And they've been doing that at abortion mills across this country since the legalization of induced abortion via Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton back in 1973. But 
this great agenda, these champions of women. Another great champion of of womankind, of women, Jermaine Greer. She would decriminalize vicious crime and viciously criminalize what is not crime. Great woman's champion that she is. She's called for dismissing rape as being bad sex and instituting much so much lower penalty for perpetrators of sexual assault that it's it's not penalties. Namely, 200 hours of community service for rape. Okay. Rape, she said, should be viewed as a lazy, careless, and insensitive act. Right? But she goes on from there, and she says this, quote... Every time a man rolls over on his exhausted wife and insists on enjoying his conjugal rights, he is raping her. It will never end up in a court of law. Quote, instead of thinking of rape as a spectacularly violent crime, and some rapes are, think about it as non-consensual. That is bad sex. End quote. Great champion of women. But you see the attack on marriage, and this was, again, the battle cry of the feminists and of the sodomites. Many times they were one and the same, but was that marriage is legalized rape. And they did succeed, and not just yesterday, but decades ago, in getting marital rape laws passed. No, not for some Muslim who has enslaved some eight-year-old, nine-year-old girl like the prophet Muhammad did. No. But one man, one woman marriage, they succeeded in persuading this one woman into charging her husband with rape, and he was put away for years. (laughs) Meanwhile, vicious, ruthless predators routinely go free or slapped on the wrist. But, again, the same activists, activists for the overturning of society and using law to do it. Using the legal system to do it, to do their evil deeds. That's what Ruth Bader Ginsburg is all about. Antonin Scalia was a brilliant jurist. And I believe a fine person. But he, like so very many people male and female, had an Achilles heel. Many of us have many, but an Achilles heel in that he was too easily flattered. 
vanity, if you will, too easily flattered. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg tapped into that and went to work on him and flattered him and wooed him. No, not sexually. Wooed him, not romantically, but wooed him, played to his vanity. And for years and years, the Ginsburgs and Scalia's dined together. And Scalia, despite his brilliance, his knowledge and his brilliance, played the fool and allowed himself to be persuaded incrementally by this affiliation. You've heard the term the figure of speech, that familiarity breeds contempt. Well, it can work the other way, too, and it often does, is that familiarity can cause a person to be swayed this way or that way. He never, ever, ever should have. been involved in anything outside of his work on the court in terms of having this close relationship with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. But he was gullible, as brilliant, as knowledgeable as he was. He was gullible and flattered. And it worked not just to his detriment, but to the detriment of Americans as a result of softening of positions and so forth. But the United States of America, we have a ways to go. How far a ways that is to go is debatable, but we have a ways to go. And this passage that I read from the book of Daniel, whom was that referring to, do you imagine? He shall speak great words against the Most High. The Most High is God Almighty, but he, who is he? He is a future world leader, numero uno world leader. But his plans, his plotting, his great scheme is not something that he alone is putting in place. This has been taking place not only for years and decades, but actually for centuries, changing the laws, changing the social mores, changing the social fabric, undermining the fabric of society, undermining nations, bringing nations down from within, 
And if they're not able to completely, utterly, totally bring them down from within, they are so weakened and eroded that then they can be overthrown from without. As was the case with the Roman Empire. But great news for those of you who are fans of the Roman Empire, there will be a resurgence of the Roman Empire. It is coming again. Yes. But back to Germaine Greer for a moment. She mentioned about this man and his exhausted wife. Of course, the man wouldn't be exhausted. Of course not. And then he insists on enjoying his conjugal rights. She doesn't have any problem with Charles Manson getting to have conjugal visits with non-wives and all of these other monsters like the Night Stalker and so forth, and his groupie fans. Conjugal visits, not for married men, but for these slaughterers, these destroyers. That's no problem. Nothing wrong with that. But she used the term rights, conjugal rights. They are rights. What's wrong with this whole thing about marital rape? Marriage is consensual sex consensual sexual relations. Not just for a moment or an hour or a day, but for the duration of the marriage. It's fascinating that these who attack marriage, that marriage is legalized rape, then they go and they flip and they decide, okay, well, we haven't succeeded with that, so we're coming out with a new tact, is then we're going to get married. We demand to be able to marry, female with female, male with male. And they managed to foist this on society via this subverted, perverted, corrupt Supreme Court, and to even get, you know, this particular talk host and that talk host to say, oh, you know, this was... Going to happen. Couldn't be prevented. Ones that are supposedly conservative, but in fact are corporatists. And have been pulling down many tens of millions for so very many years. By entertaining, really. But also claiming to be conservatives and supporting conservative causes and so forth. But it was unavoidable. It was going to happen. Well, yes, with this continual, persistent bombardment, this attack, this assault on society, not just American society, but all of the Western nations, the free nations, it was bound to happen due to the corruption and perversion of the judicial system as well as the legislative branch and the executive branch. It was bound to happen. Unavoidable. Unavoidable with the corruption and perversion of society. But... Back to Hallmark. I saw this uh, from 
something from the BBC. They launched the loneliness experiment on Valentine's Day last year. And I saw this quote, and I don't have it at my fingertips now, but this one young woman, lovely young woman, and I believe it was from her. They, had, they were quoting several people. But one was saying something to the effect, and this is a paraphrase, but they were still terribly lonely despite watching all of these Hallmark movies. This was pertaining to Christmas. At least I took it as such. And of course, of course. So Hallmark Channel, which, you know, it describes itself variously as the, the heart of TV and so on and so forth. And there is the Hallmark Channel and there's Hallmark Movies and Mysteries and there is Hallmark Drama. But the Hallmark Channel... Much of the fair there consists of romantic comedies, romantic dramedies, and so forth. And you could say feel-good movies. And people watch them because they like these genres and they also like to feel better and what have you. And I'm not going to go into criticisms of Hallmark and <laughs> ways that it could improve and so forth, uh, which I just saved that for a rainy day. But instead of a day at zero degrees, uh, but Hallmark Channel, and I know there will be all kinds of people who will disagree with me, but while they have all of these romances, they have all of these romantic TV movies, these romantic stories, whether they are Christmas-themed or Valentine's-themed or winter or summer or spring, you know, wedding season of this wedding season or that, regardless that they are focusing on and all about romances of one stripe or another in so very many of these TV movies, there is not a foundation that there needs to be. There is no Christian foundation or for those who prefer a Judeo-Christian foundation. There isn't. You might see an image of a church somewhere sometime in one of these, or you might see it in one of their suspense series or what have you. But you might even see a few moments of some people in a church. But there is no... Christian or Judeo-Christian or biblical underpinning or foundation for any of it. And in so many of the Christmas ones, you will find there is much allusion to Santa Claus and so forth. And then in others, there is to magic. And then, of course, they've got their Good Witch series and what have you. But it's romance for romance's sake. It's romance is 
the end-all and be-all. And any commitment, any covenant entered into is just between man and woman. God isn't in the picture. Oh, maybe somebody is praying on a star, you know, or or they are wishing on a star, or they are this, that, and the other thing. But the overwhelming majority of the programs are utterly dismissive of God. And it should come as no surprise that these programs, even if they did a better job in the script department, in what scripts they accept and so forth, even if they did a better job in the dialogue department, even if all of them were cast as well as they could be and should be and were produced directed as well as they could be and should be, even if that were the case, they still would not be satisfying in a way that would dispel loneliness. Instead, they can exacerbate loneliness for those who do not have these romances or these picture-perfect romantic circumstances or what have you. But they cannot dispel loneliness because there isn't a foundation for that. The God who created man and woman, the God who created sexuality, the God who created marriage is absent. And I understand Hallmark not wanting to alienate people by Being religious or something like that. But meanwhile, you can find, depending on the hour of the day you're watching, you can find advertisements for things such as Ekenkar. I'm undoubtedly pronouncing that incorrectly. But in other words, false religions, cults, and so forth. Or, of course, these myriad ads for Ruth Bader Ginsburg's biopic, championing her or the love has no labels ad council campaign with the cute photograph of two girls there two girls who are friends and it's sweet and so forth but where the actual factual meat and potatoes substance of this campaign is to promote the sodomite agenda. But it's being promoted regularly on Hallmark, Hallmark Channel. So my heart went out to this young woman who was looking to Hallmark Channel to dispel her loneliness. And there are many programs on Hallmark Channel and on Hallmark Movies and Mysteries and what have you that are enjoyable. 
or enjoyable to some extent. And then there are others that just are not, as far as I'm concerned. But this matter of loneliness, it really, truly requires more than you can get from the fair at Hallmark or anywhere else. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.